0: Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Carey, and we are going to be looking at all the news making the headlines in the world of pro wrestling this week. And unfortunately, we got to start it off with some rather unfortunate news like we've been doing, I don't know, for the last few months. We've got to talk about something unfortunate, and that is WWE's COVID-19 policies. And that's where we'll start this week. WWE is currently experiencing an outbreak of the coronavirus at its performance center in Orlando. Multiple WWE employees have come out publicly and confirmed that they have tested positive for the virus. These include Renee Young, who is said to be feeling better now after having been bedridden with the virus last weekend. WWE producers Adam Pearce and Jamie Noble have each come out and said that they have tested positive, as has announcer Kayla Braxton, who revealed that she has tested positive for the virus twice now. The outbreak comes on the heels of WWE coming under fire for a policy of not allowing developmental talent acting as fans at tapings to wear masks. WWE sent this statement to media regarding the mask policy that had been in effect until recently at the Performance Center. Here is what the statement says. Fans have not been in attendance at WWE events since March 13th. Yesterday, a select number of friends and family were permitted to attend WWE's TV production. These individuals were required to participate in medical screenings prior to entering the closed set at our training facility and were kept apart from in-ring performers and production personnel. Attendance was below 20% capacity and social distancing guidelines were adhered to with at least 6 feet between parties. Thus, face masks were not required. Now, following multiple positive COVID-19 tests from its employees, WWE has since permitted the use of masks at tapings, as evidenced by those in the crowd on SmackDown who were wearing them. Up until recently, WWE was not testing people for the virus before permitting them into the Performance Center. This has since changed. WWE has sent the following to media in regards to the testing they will be doing moving forward. Here is their statement. WWE will continue COVID-19 testing of its talent, production crew, and employees in advance of TV productions for the foreseeable future. Now that WWE will be testing all wrestlers and staff at TV productions moving forward is good news. The unfortunate news is that the virus has already been allowed to spread to the roster and others employed by the company. This is something which could have been avoided if testing had been brought in before employees started to get sick. The spread of the virus at the PC could have also been slowed down if masks had been used. So now who does this put at risk? While many on the WWE roster are healthy and young, many others are still vulnerable to the negative effects of the virus. Daniel Bryan is asthmatic and potentially at greater risk of suffering negative impacts from the virus. He has been at the PC regularly since the global pandemic began, but not on the most recent edition of SmackDown taped after the outbreak at the PC took place. 71-year-old Ric Flair was recently a part of Raw tapings and is now aligned with Randy Orton, Flair has had a slew of health problems in recent years. Now, if the outbreak at the Performance Center does anything to impact Ric Flair's quality of life or his overall mortality, it would make this story one of the most negative in the history of pro wrestling. WWE producer Adam Pearce's positive test has reportedly worried some in WWE as well, as Pearce had been working closely with Bruce Prichard and the 74-year-old Vince McMahon, possibly exposing both to the virus. It's entirely likely that WWE felt they had no choice but to soldier on with tapings due to their television contracts with Fox and USA. Failing to provide the content they are contractually committed to provide the networks with could have led to termination of the agreements regardless of how the company was impacted by the global pandemic. It's probably likely that the next round of TV contracts from any promotion will include clauses about what will and should happen in case another global pandemic is to take place. The policies WWE has now implemented, such as allowing masks and testing for COVID-19, will help to stop the spread of the virus at the PC and hopefully prevent further outbreaks. But they are what should have been done to prevent an outbreak, not used as a response after an outbreak has already occurred. That is how WWE's COVID-19 policies have put profits before people. It has been an eventful week for Impact Wrestling. The company has parted ways with four wrestlers, two of whom were scheduled to be in a world title match on the Knicks pay-per-view. When the speaking out movement began online at the beginning of the week, Joey Ryan quickly became one of the more frequent names alleged to have committed offenses. Dave Crist and Michael Elgin were also named. Impact fired Joey Ryan and Dave Crist and announced they were suspending Michael Elgin pending a further investigation into the allegations against him. A few days later, it was announced that Elgin would not be part of any future Impact programming. He wasn't fired, but they've announced he's not going to be on the show anymore. Tessa Blanchard was also fired from Impact this week and stripped of the promotion's World Championship. Blanchard has not competed for Impact since the onset of the global pandemic, and there have been reports she failed to send in taped promos for shows. It is also being reported that her contract was set to run out before Slammiversary, and the two sides were having trouble working out a deal. Eventually, Impact decided it was better to just cut her loose and move on. So this might seem weird to say, but it's not entirely clear there will be any negative outcomes from the departing talent for Impact Wrestling. It actually comes at a rather ideal time for the promotion. Impact has spent the last month building up the idea that new names are coming in at Slammiversary. Their weekly TV show is filled with hints that names such as EC3, Eric Young, Heath Slater, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, and possibly even Rusev could be coming in. Impact was looking to shake up the roster anyway. Having to cut ties with two wrestlers who already had problematic reputations and two more who were not an overly important part of the show, it's not clear if Impact's going to be harmed too much by their departures. Even the world title match at Slammiversary having to be changed just a few weeks out isn't really that big of a deal. The pay-per-view isn't built around the world title match. The pay-per-view is being built around who from outside the organization shows up and becomes a new part of Impact Wrestling. The tagline for the pay-per-view is, our world will change. Well, part of this change means parting ways with wrestlers as well as bringing in new ones. Tessa Blanchard and Michael Elgin had likely done all they could do for the promotion by this point. New phases is exactly what Impact Wrestling needs, and those will arrive on July 18th. Night one of AEW's second annual Fighter Fest event takes place Wednesday, July 1st, and five matches have been scheduled for the event. So let's run down the lineup for night one of Fighter Fest. Starting off with the number five ranked private party along with Matt Hardy will be going up against Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful from the inner circle. Now in recent weeks, Matt Hardy has become something of a mentor for the young private party team of Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Hardy will be in their corner for this match against Santana and Ortiz on opening night of Fighter Fest. Now private party are currently ranked number five in the official AEW top five rankings. Santana and Ortiz aren't ranked, but a win over Kennedy and Quinn would likely change that. It's a very crowded tag team division, however, and it got even more crowded recently now that FTR has arrived. FTR are also outside the top five currently, but that could change very soon. Now, what role Matt Hardy plays in this match should be interesting. He might be around to fend off any interference from the inner circle, but with Hardy, it's tough to know what's going on. He could be broken Matt Hardy. He could be Matt Hardy version one, or maybe he'll even be the version of Matt Hardy from The New Brood, along with Michael Hayes. Next up, we got Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus from Jurassic Express. They'll be going up against MJF and Wardlow. This match continues the rivalry between MJF and Jungle Boy, which is a feud that could continue for decades given the age of each competitor. We just saw Wardlow defeat Luchasaurus in a Lumberjack match on Dynamite. And at Double or Nothing, we saw MJF defeat Jungle Boy. So this match between the Jurassic Express and... And MJF and Wardlow will be the rubber match between these two sides. And it should be interesting to see who comes away with the victory here. And next up, we have an AEW Women's World Championship match as Hikaru Shida defends against the number two-ranked Penelope Ford. Shida won the AEW Women's Championship at double or nothing. Her first attempted title defense will take place on the first night of Fighter Fest when she takes on Ford. Sheeta is sporting an 11-1 singles record heading into the match. Ford's record is at 4-3, but she has defeated some notable names, including former AEW Women's World Champion Riho. Her victory over Riho actually came on an episode of Dark back in March. Ford getting the title shot here is at least somewhat in part due to injury and travel issues the division has faced recently. Riho, Yuka Sakazaki, and many others are facing travel restrictions, and the number 4-ranked Chris Statlander is now out of action with a torn ACL. Add to that, the number 5-ranked role model Britt Baker is also on the shelf with an injury. At double or nothing, Ford actually dropped a match to Chris Statlander in singles competition. Penelope Ford did earn this title match, though. She pinned the champion in tag competition on Dynamite recently when she teamed with Nyla Rose and was able to pick up the pin on Sheeta thanks to some outside interference and a shot to the head with the title belt. Cody Rhodes will also look to defend the TNT title at Fighter Fest when he takes on the Inner Circle's Jake Hager. And the first real test of Cody's TNT Championship reign will come here on the first night of Fighter Fest. This will be the second big title match in a row for Hager, who took on John Moxley in an empty arena match for the AEW World Championship in April. Now, Cody won the title last month at Double or Nothing, but has already defended it three times. He's defeated Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, and the newly signed Ricky Starks. The Inner Circle's Jake Hager represents a big step up in competition for him, however. And finally, we will have an AEW Tag Team Championship match at Fighter Fest when Kenny Omega and Hangman Page take on the Best Friends. Omega and Page won the Tag Team Championships back in January aboard the Chris Jericho Rock and Rager at Sea. A lot has happened in wrestling and the world since then. Paige and Omega have successfully defended the titles against SCU, the Lucha Bros, the Young Bucks, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, and the Natural Nightmares since winning the titles in January. While Paige and Omega have been carrying the belts, the Best Friends have been steadily moving up the rankings. They have won eight straight tag team matches, an undefeated run that dates back to March when they dropped a bout to the Lucha Bros. Page and Omega have proven to be dominant tag team champions, but it's no secret that they aren't always on the same page. Should dissension within the team boil to the surface at Fighter Fest, Chuck Taylor and Trent could end up the new AEW World Tag Team Champions, and that is your Fighter Fest Night 1 preview from Spoiler Free Wrestling. <laughs> Ring of Honor has released a statement and plans to launch an immediate investigation into allegations made against members of its roster. Now, ROH's Marty Skrull signed what is, thought to be, what is thought to be the largest contract Ring of Honor has ever doiled out earlier this year. Additionally, Skrull is now the head of the company's booking team. But Skrull is under fire for allegations that he had a sexual encounter five years ago with a woman who was aged 16, which is the age of consent in the UK. Skrull would have been 25 or 26 at the time of the alleged encounter. Now, here is the statement that Ring of Honor put out. They said, at Ring of Honor, we pride ourselves on the respectful and inclusive environment we have built, one that ensures all employees can work in a place where they feel safe and respected. We take these matters extremely seriously and have a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to this type of behavior. Ring of Honor has launched an immediate investigation into the claims made against its currently contracted wrestlers. We will update you on our investigation once it concludes. Now, Marty Skrull has... Uh, put out two separate statements on the matter. The first came on June 23rd, and that statement reads as follows. I am aware that a young woman has bravely come forward with her account of sexual abuse by some members of the wrestling community in the UK five years ago, a community I was a part of. Although I truly believe that our encounter that evening was consensual, and the fact that the encounter was legal is almost not the point. I understand that she now views our encounter as a as part of a bigger problem within the wrestling community. What concerns me at this moment is that from what I've been reading, she is a fan of wrestling and was made to feel unsafe within that community. That is not acceptable. I also understand that people have been attacking her on social media, and I implore you to please stop. She has a right to her voice, and it is our responsibility to listen. Skrull then released a more detailed statement the following day. In 2015, after a wrestling event in the UK, I had a brief consensual sexual encounter with a woman. In that moment, at a bar, in those circumstances, I had no cause to question her age. I don't say any of this lightly or to seek absolution for my ignorance. Although I did not become aware of her age until after the encounter, the reality of the age disparity is not lost on me. I understand that although our encounter was technically legal in the UK, my lack of good judgment that evening has disappointed many fans. This week the woman I am referencing bravely shared her stories of abuse she experienced while attending a wrestling event, while attending wrestling events during that time period. My name has been included in one of the recollections she has shared. I can only speak to what I know to be true and my own actions. It is my understanding that this woman continuously supported our sport through her attendance at events, seminars and training sessions, and as an industry, we failed her. I cannot begin to understand the difficulties she must be experiencing. And in that spirit, I ask that you please continue to respect her privacy. My immediate priority is to seek forgiveness for unknowingly contributing to a culture that for too long has promulgated ego over humanity and hurt many along the way. For those of us with a voice that can reach beyond our own doorsteps, it is our shared responsibility to be better and do more. The system must change to protect the most vulnerable and provide an ecosystem where female fans and athletes can engage and participate safely. The time is now. As a person who has been identified as part of the problem, I am unreservedly committing to be part of the solution. In the very short term, I am looking to work within the industry to create better security protocols at events to provide a safe environment for all fans. Words are no longer enough. Action is needed. So it's not clear if Ring of Honor's statement is referring... Uh, specifically to Marty Skrull. However, the Ring of Honor does promise to update fans when they conclude their investigation, and it'll be interesting to see if any action is taken uh, against Marty Skrull and what that action is. Ring of Honor has invested a lot of money in Marty Skrull and has put a lot of faith in him leading their company moving forward. So this is a very big issue for Ring of Honor, and we'll keep you updated at Spoiler Free Wrestling. Sammy Guevara was suspended without pay from All Elite Wrestling this week. He will be going to sensitivity training as well, and this all has to do with a comment he made on a podcast four years ago. He was on the Raw's Fourth Hour podcast and was talking about his WWE tryout that he had. And I guess he ran into Sasha Banks while he was there. And on the podcast, he wished to express that Sasha Banks looked attractive, but he took a rather uh, strange and as it turns out, quite offensive route to get there. He said he saw Sasha Banks and just wanted to rape her. And uh, this of course came out four years later that He had uh, made this insensitive joke. It did the rounds on social media. Lots of people were offended, as people tend to be on social media. And uh, AEW announced that they were sending him to sensitivity training, and he he is uh, suspended without pay. Now, something that has gone on, there's been a lot of people attacking uh, Sammy Guevara. And one of the things that Guevara's defenders has said is like, well, look, this is, uh, you know, I've heard other people sort of say this or say something along uh, these lines. And in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, it was written that, well, this is teenage slang a little bit. It's, a, it's offensive teenage slang. And a lot of people online have been like, what? I've never heard that. That's not teenage slang. That's just a terrible thing to say. Well, I'm not defending what Sammy Guevara has said, but yes, in high school, university, uh, maybe even a little bit beyond that, I have heard people talk like that. Uh, when wishing to express that somebody looked good. Obviously, people shouldn't talk like that. It's a bad joke. It's a bad way to express things. Not saying any differently there. But it is something that Sammy Guevara probably heard somebody else say, and that then sets the precedent in his mind that it's an okay thing for him to say, and he said it. And now it's come back to him four years later, and he's suspended and paying the consequences for it now. Now, he and Sasha Banks did talk. By Sasha Banks statement that she put on line, it uh, sounds as though they had a very open discussion. And Sammy Guevara has sounded very apologetic. He certainly sounds as though he's committed to not saying things like that again in the future. And he said in a video that when he comes back he's going to be a better version of himself and Honestly, to me, and I, I get that people feel differently, to me, this is a non-issue. You know, like this is, he made a bad joke that other people have made in the past, that he's probably heard other people make in the past, and he made it publicly about a person, which is stupid, and he got in trouble for it. But he sounds as though he's really learned his lesson, and stuff like that isn't going to happen again, which is the best possible outcome for something like this. So I would imagine it won't be long until Guevara is back on AEW Dynamite. He's undergone his sensitivity training. And this whole ridiculousness can be put behind him and behind Sasha Banks. What I have a problem with is this whole gotcha mentality that's going on on social media where people are looking for any perceived offense to try and get somebody blackballed from wrestling, fired from their promotion, or something along those lines. What Sammy did just doesn't fall into the category where something like that is justified, where that type of reaction from others is justified. Uh, exactly what should have happened, happened. He's going to go to sensitivity training, and he apologized to Sasha Banks. Anybody taking it farther than that, I, I just I can't relate with you. And finally, uh, one last news item, or one last news item, and then we will get into the weekly ratings for this week. Um, Charlotte Flair is going to be gone from WWE for a little while. So this actually came out last week. I'm not really sure if we talked about it though. Um, or maybe it didn't come out last week. Anyway, she needs some type of surgery, though, the kind of surgery that she needs and for what is not known. And there are conflicting reports about how long she's going to be away for. So there was a news article in the in the Metro in the UK that said she won't be back uh, until Survivor Series at the earliest, most likely the Royal Rumble. Uh, other sites, uh, Dave Meltzer saying SummerSlam likely, she's likely back by the SummerSlam. So who knows? Who knows what's going on? Uh, Rick Flair was also on a podcast and sort of slyly mentioned that there were some TV shows that had some interest in Charlotte Flair. So maybe her return date has a little bit more to do with if she'll be filming some TV shows. But as I say that out loud, what TV show is filming right now? I don't think there's any TV shows filming right now. So I take it back. That TV series having interest in Charlotte Flair probably has nothing to do with how long that she's gone for. But there are also reports out there that Flair is feeling a little bit run down, uh, which makes sense. I mean, she's been a major player in WWE for five years now, and I don't know if she's ever taken any time off. Like, I can't remember any extended period of time where Charlotte Flair was injured. She's been a focal point of the show pretty much always since she came up to the main roster. I mean, Charlotte Flair over the last five years is one of the most important people In WWE. And people crap on her so much uh, because she is one of the chosen ones for WWE. And there's only a handful of those. Uh, Roman Reigns is a chosen one. Uh, John Cena was a chosen one. And Charlotte Flair is a chosen one. Even there's some others, like Becky Lynch is a chosen one now, but it's only because the fans chose her so much. But Flair and Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, of course, is a chosen one. And what I mean by chosen one is that they are Vince McMahon's projects, right? They, Vince McMahon sees money in them. And so everybody else on the roster or in the division who isn't a chosen one, to some degree, is being fed to the people that are, to the Charlotte Flair's, to the Roman Reigns's, to the John Cena's because those are the people that make WWE the money. Everybody else is a bit player in that game. In that game of do what Hulk Hogan did for Vince McMahon in the mid-80s. Cuz that's what brought that's what brought WWE or that's what brought Vince McMahon his success was having that one babyface star that he can ride to millions and maybe even a billion dollars. That like that's what WWE looks for, and they see that in Charlotte Flair, they saw that in Ronda Rousey, and they saw that in Roman Reigns. Charlotte Flair is a chosen one, and that gets fans of non-chosen ones really upset. Like, if you're a big Ruby Riot fan, which I am, and you see Ruby's never given a chance to really be a top star, but Flair is given every opportunity to maintain that spot. So it just gets frustrating, like, why can't my favorite be better than Charlotte Flair? Well, because... Vince McMahon's favorite is Charlotte Flair, and your favorite is never going to be as important as his favorite is. And that's why Charlotte Flair gets a lot of hate. That's why she gets a lot of hate from wrestling fans and why she gets a lot of love from Vince McMahon. But Charlotte Flair, she's going to be gone for a little bit. Um, whether she's back at SummerSlam or Survivor Series remains to be seen. But Charlotte Flair being out of action provides a lot of opportunities for other women on the roster. Looks like Asuka is going to be somebody who's going to be slotted into that position where she could be playing a much more prominent role in the company. Of course, she's Raw Women's Champion now. She's involved in major storylines. She's I, And she's somebody that a lot of people um really enjoy so the fact that vince mcmahon seems to be getting behind oscar now as well Uh, that's going to be welcome news to quite a few all right let's take a look at the television ratings from the world of pro wrestling for this week so Promotions that we have television ratings for include WWE, NXT, and AEW. So let's take a look at what the ratings were like this week. So in terms of total viewers, the top show was SmackDown once again. And the June 19th SmackDown, which is the last SmackDown that we have ratings for here, that did uh, 2.089 million viewers and a.5 .5 in the key demo. The key demo is for viewers that are 18 to 49, and it's the demographic that advertisers care the most about. So, actually, in the key demo, the top wrestling program in the United States is WWE Raw. Now, in total viewers, Raw only did 1.922 million viewers for the June 23rd episode, but they did a 0.53 in the key demo. Raw is also three hours, so that plays a factor too. So looking at SmackDown's ratings over the next little bit, going back to uh, May 22nd, they were doing 2.042 million viewers. They've kept the 0.5 in the key demo consistent over the last five weeks. And there was just the one week there on June 5th when they dipped below 2 million total viewers. So very consistent ratings on SmackDown hovering around the 2 million range and a 0.5 in the key demo. Now going over to Raw, we've seen a lot of change the last two weeks in Monday Night Raw's ratings. And this can be attributed to the switch from Executive Director Paul Heyman to Executive Director Bruce Pritchard. And we've talked a lot about this on our podcast, about what are the differences between a Bruce Pritchard booked show and a Paul Heyman booked show. And the difference is mainly with Bruce Pritchard, you're not going to get as many long matches. You're going to get more established names such as Ric Flair, Randy Orton, whereas with Paul Heyman, he's more about edgy and cool characters like Aleister Black or Ricochet and longer matches and good wrestling. Bruce Pritchard, storylines, larger-than-life characters, and generally whatever else Vince McMahon likes. Paul Heyman, a little different, good athletic wrestling and edgy characters. Well, Paul Heyman's last... Monday Night Raw was on June 7th. It did 1.737 million viewers and a 0.52 in the key demo. However, when Bruce Pritchard came in, they saw a big top up of over 200,000 viewers. So a lot of people were tuning in to see what Bruce Pritchard would do different. With the brand. So that first Bruce Pritchard raw did 1.94 million viewers and a 0.54 in the key demo. Then for this week, they did dip down a little bit, down to 1.922 million viewers and a 0.53 in the key demo. But that's two weeks of uh, repaired ratings that WWE is probably looking at. And I would imagine WWE is happy that the ratings have dipped up ever since they made that change from Paul Heyman to Bruce Pritchard. Now, there were some interesting develops in the Wednesday Night War this week where NXT actually won in total viewers. Now, this is just the second time that I can remember. Might, there might have been others, but I, to my knowledge or to my recollection, this is only the second time NXT has won in total viewers. However, they did not win in the key demo. So for the June 24th episode of NXT, they did 786,000 viewers, which is a very good number for NXT, and a 0.19 in the key demo. So the key demo was actually lower than it was for the previous week, even though they had more viewers. Uh, But a 0.19 in the key demo, that's actually fairly consistent with what they do, but 786,000 viewers... That's a good number for NXT, and that total viewership beats AEW's uh, total viewership for the same night on June 24th. They brought in 633,000 viewers, which is one of their lower numbers, and a 0.22 in the key demo. So they actually beat NXT in terms of the key demo, so advertisers liked what AEW Dynamite did better Uh, than what NXT did but total viewers goes to NXT so when you look at like maybe what was it that has caused NXT's numbers to go up there a little bit they had a very important main event match Keith Lee Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor with the winner moving on to the July 8th episode uh, to face Adam Cole for the NXT World Championship and that match is going to go head to head with night two of fighter fest and so nxt is branded the next two weeks the great american bash to go up against aew's fighter fest so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the ratings for the wednesday night war as we go into two weeks of branded events on wednesday nights